0: we <laughs> It is time for a new episode of the Fight HQ podcast as we are here to break down UFC 291 goes down tomorrow there in Salt Lake City, Utah. Of course, headlined by the BMF title matchup between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. Also, we essentially have a title eliminator in the light heavyweight division as you got the former champion Jan Belhovich taking on Alex Pereira, plus a ton of other action. Two fighters have missed weight today. We do know one of those fighters is remaining on the card. The other one, we're going to see if he remains on the card. That's being Michelle Paheya. We'll kind of monitor that. As this show goes on, of course, as always, we appreciate you taking time out uh, of your day to, whether you watch this on YouTube or maybe if you're listening to us over on the podcast channel, of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. If you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to subscribe to the channel. And in the show notes, you'll see a link to our merchandise store that you can get some Fight HQ merchandise. Also, you can join that Discord channel as well. Totally free to join. Of course, also, we got our contest over there on DraftKings. Got that set up here a little bit earlier on today. Of course, as always, I'm joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr good afternoon pete man how's it going
1: good afternoon jason what's going on everybody um totally i I absolutely missed you guys and i know jason missed you guys as well and and having the show last week um if you were in our discord it still was a very good week for the team um apologies for not being able to to get around to doing the show last week things are just crazy um but we're here and it's i'm really happy to break down a stack card even though it's a smaller amount of fights. I just really like every single one of these matchups on the card. I am legitimately interested from a uh, spectator standpoint, from a fan standpoint, from a betting standpoint. DFS, I'm interested, of course. But you know, whenever there's a short amount of fights, the the likelihood of chopping, you know, is increased. So um, if you want to get different, obviously you leave salary on the table. Um, or you start targeting some volatile matchups that others are, are potentially avoiding. Um, but yeah all in all, I can't wait to break it down with you. I feel like we're gonna be very different but like I whenever we have a card like this, if you set your exposures correctly because you know everybody on this this fight card for the most part is talented. expect the unexpected and expect to be wrong in some of these you know high profile fights, especially on the main card.
0: Of course, if you have any questions, you can leave those right there in the YouTube chat. You can also leave it on Discord. And if you want to leave a super chat, your question will go to the top of the queue. Of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in here. If this is your first time watching us over here on Fight HQ, the way this works, we're going to talk a little about game theory. Then we're going to break down each fight. And then at the end of the show, we'll give you our straight up picks. Plus, we'll, listen, we'll answer all of those listener questions. But Pete, when we talk game theory, to me, it starts main event and co main event, and it's about the price point. On these four fighters that, I mean, yes, a way to get totally different from the field is to have less exposure on the main event and co-main event. But from a price point, it's just tough for me to get away from these four fighters.
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, next to impossible for the five round, you know, main event. To, to not be a part of the optimal lineup given the salaries, given the nature and the violence of both of these fighters. Unless a, f- a foul occurs, knock on wood, and it becomes a no contest or a DQ, so, something weird like that. A no contest would result in a poor score. Um, outside of that, um, I just think you can't get away from it. So um, I'm basically going to be in that 90 to 100% range targeting the main event. Obviously, you could have some some fights outscore it. As far as the co-main event, the price point is virtually impossible to to avoid week in and week out. But we have seen Jan Blachowicz win some some fights, and we have seen some low volume fights in the past where a decision win doesn't necessarily do enough. You know, if somebody scores in the in the eighties or even the low nineties, the low nineties, they're probably a part of it. But if anything in the eighties, if it's a higher scoring slate, you could actually find yourself. By you know in the optimal lineup by avoiding it, I don't suggest you do so because we have a crazy crazy KO artist um, in Alex Pereira against Jan Blahovic who is a very talented fighter for the division, um, and he has the the wrestling advantage. So I, I really think that he can test Alex's wrestling defense. Um, can't wait to break it down, but I, I would agree with you and say that you know that's that's the best way to start your lineup construction, especially if you're using a crunching device. Target the main and co-main event.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you're hand-building, I mean, that's where I'm I'm starting. I'm, I'm picking two fighters, right, in, in the main event, in, in co-main event. I mean, I, I think you – well, obviously we'll break down these fights a little bit more, but, you know, the question to me with Jan Behovic is how much of the game plan will be about, you know, trying to get this fight to the ground and how does that one play out. But I think when I look at the rest of this card, there's some other interesting underdogs on this card. We're going to see what happens with Michelle Pahad because he was a guy that I really started to circle over the last two days thinking about to take the potential takedown upside uh, in that matchup, uh, you know. I look at another Michael Chiesa to me is another fighter. I think if you're if you're creating a group, whether you're doing that in cruncher or, or maybe you're you're hand building lineups and you're, you're kind of writing some things down. To me, Michael Chiesa is another guy. There's some things that I have highlighted on my my spreadsheet here in front of me. The ownership on the on the co main event is something that I I'm actually surprised it's not higher than what it is. I'm surprised the Derek Lewis ownership is not projected higher than currently what it is. And but then there's some other fighters I look at this one and like and we'll talk this towards the end of the show Miranda Maverick because clear she has the grappling advantage and we know on DraftKings we want to target grapplers.
1: Oh yeah, I mean. There, there are going to be some grapplers that I'm going to, you know, increase my exposure to. Um, Naturally, the heavyweight division is a volatile division, so I'm going to target both sides. And usually, uh, unless it's a heavyweight stinker, 15 minute, you know, gas fest, which it very well could be. I mean, this is at elevation, and that is the craziest X factor that I have been taking into consideration for this card more so than anything else. Um, You know, every now and then I, I, I tweak my expectations if they're fighting in the apex or if they're fighting fighting in the big cage i'm actually taking elevation into significant consideration as a fighter that Mm -hmm. has trained at elevation um you know when i went out to new mexico i was always in great shape when i went out to new mexico and i trained in albuquerque i will tell you it took me a very long time to not gas like and it was just so crazy because i was in shape and no matter what i did couple weeks, I was still not acclimated enough. It was about, you know, about that four week, three, four week mark where I was just like, okay, now I'm feeling normal again. And then when I went back to sea level, it felt like I had an extra lung and I was able to just, you know, just go for days. So I do think that if fighters went out there you know, a week or two, I don't think that's really going to do much. It, it's definitely better than not going there out at all. Yeah. But I would say like somebody like a Tony Ferguson, even though I'm not backing Tony. But him training at Big Bear for the whole camp mm-hmm. definitely translates better than people who are going out there two weeks ahead of time.
0: Delusional. That's Tony Ferguson. Oh,
1: beyond, beyond.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when I watched his chat with the media on Wednesday, I was like, what?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of like. So what I was doing is at work, I was hand building 150 lineups. So um, yeah, when, when I was when I was on break, so I still got some to, to hand build. Um, but I was also listening to all the interviews at the media. I still got something to catch up on, but when I, when I listened to that, that was extremely cringy and a little worrisome, to be honest. I mean, like tracking bears throughout, I mean, do what you do, Tony, you're a weirdo to begin with, but, uh, I, I just, I worry about, you know, mental health a lot, especially as a fighter that's fallen on hard times. I really worry about mental health and I hope that, you know, I would like to see him pick up a win. I don't think it happens. But I, yeah. I just think that he needs to up his stock again and have a solid performance, even in a loss.
0: And, and we will monitor if any news does come down uh, during the show about Michelle Pahay. I mean, you know, typically the way this situation plays out, the fact that he was told to not cut any more weight, this is it first off becomes a a commissioned doctor to say yeah. whether or not they're going to allow him to compete tomorrow, and B then if they that doctor says yes then we get into the negotiation process where the Thompson camp and the Pereira camp and the UFC will all get together and figure out and and of course if you're Steven Thompson it's got to be a little bit of a, a weird scenario because you've you know spent the last 8 weeks preparing for this matchup and you know, like we know, that you've an opponent that might want to try to grapple you a little bit, even though they both obviously have that, that stand-up style. So we'll see what happens over there. But Pete, let's get right into the main event BMF title on the line. we got Dustin Poirier taking on Justin Gaethje. Of course, a rematch between these two guys. It's kind of crazy the fact that this the first fight was over five years ago. The UFC was on Fox. Just to give you kind of an idea of how long ago that was here. Of course, Dustin Poirier, the betting favorite here, minus 150. Plus one twenty five for Justin Gaethje, uh, for Dustin Poirier's a three hundred on DK twenty dollars on Fanduel, and for Gaethje he's seventy nine hundred on DK and seventeen dollars on Fanduel. Pete,
1: yeah, I mean it's a must have, right? It, it's a fantasy must have. I'm still, I'm going to stack it in a few of them in case it does go five rounds. They they did, you know, reach the fourth round previously. I do think that they both are improved upon their first encounter. I would say that Justin Gaethje has shown me. Um, more development in his game and more adjustments than, than Dustin Poirier. I feel like Dustin Poirier is similar to how he used to be um, has picked up some great wins since the Gaethje performance and Gaethje has had to adjust his style if he wanted to take less damage and actually go out there and be a, uh, a dominant fighter who doesn't just, you know, swing wildly and be reckless because his recklessness has gotten them caught in the past Um, and he fought like that and you can kind of see that was Gaethje, uh, you know, 1.0. And then he made some adjustments with the best, one of the best coaches in the business and Trevor Whitman. And clearly whatever's, whatever he's doing is working because he's more patient. He takes his time, very methodical with his leg kicking game. Um, so very, very powerful kicks. Uh, it's patience. He's a little bit more patient and he just seems like a, uh, you know, a vet now. He's always had a wealth of experience, but like you can just see when a fighter is completely composed and he is very, very composed in there. I think Vegas and everybody in general, like me leading up to this fight, automatically just assume Poirier is just going to go out there and knock him out again. And then the more I start thinking about it and the more I, I do some film and I see the adjustments and I'm actually going to be slightly siding with Justin Gaethje to uh, to upset Dustin Poirier here. I, I think that you know Gaethje training at, at elevation is a huge huge factor, despite Dustin Poirier always being in fantastic shape. Um, I, I think that Gaethje's adjustments, as I have mentioned, um, I think that he can rip and just destroy Dustin Poirier's legs, even though Dustin has good you know calf kicks himself and he does check well sometimes. Uh, his, his legs are there to be, to be damaged. And, uh, I don't know, man. I I just, I have this gut feeling that Justin Gaethje is going to, uh, pick up a win over Dustin Poirier, but I'm going to be treating him like it's a slight lean. I I don't really care who wins the fight. I'm going to, uh, target it from a betting standpoint and also DFS. Um, I'm not avoiding it, but I I think that on a week where me personally, I'm not too fond of underdogs, Justin Gaethje is going to be an underdog I'm going to back. And I'm going to say that he, uh. Edges out Dustin Poirier in a uh, in the decision win.
0: Yeah, I mean, this to me is it's a coin flip fight. You know, I was talking about this on my podcast earlier this week. Of when I looked at the betting lines initially, I was actually kind of surprised to see that the betting line was not a little bit closer. Maybe, maybe seeing you know maybe Dustin in the minus one twenty five range as opposed to the minus one fifty range. I do believe Dustin Poirier is a better mixed martial artist, but I think we have seen an evolution in Justin Gaethje's game of being you know not being quote unquote that wild man brawler that he's been. And I would recommend though if you go over Score Channel um, about a day or two ago, I put a video in there of Michael Chandler talking about the differences between the two guys, and the, the thing that, that stuck out to me about that video is he was talking about just, you know, kind of the the thudding difference between Poye as a striker and Gaetje as a striker, which I, I thought it was interesting as a guy who's been in there with both of them, that to me was an interesting one.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I also think it's just, you know, styles make fights and that's why sometimes like if if you time it correctly, you can pick up, you can pick an underdog where normally they wouldn't have, you know, a a good chance at upsetting their opponent. But, you know, given circumstances and timing and, you know, styles, you, you can pick up on certain things. I do think that, you know, any lefty in general is going to give a ton of righties fits. There are most, most fighters and most camps will not accept fi- fights, especially going back to boxing, against Southpaw's. They just don't because finding lefty training partners in general is difficult. Finding lefty training partners on the same uh, skill level of you is also very difficult. So that's why I, th- I think naturally lefties tend to have that X factor over righties and, and different angles that straight left hand can't miss for Dustin Poirier. Um, he, that, that straight left hand as Gaethje was throwing a lazy leg kick Led to the finish, and uh, it was a back and forth fight. But, like, I, I do think that there are adjustments to be made, and I'm seeing a lot of Justin Gaethje with Trevor Whitman splitting the straight punches on pad work. And anytime that Dustin throws out the jab, you split. So you throw that right hand down the middle as you slip to the left. Um, that's a big thing for opposite stances. And I just think that there are going to be certain combinations that Trevor Whitman has come up with that that Jay, that Gaethje can have significant success with.
0: Thank <laughs> you. Of course, uh, let's move over now to our co-main event, which is, uh, I mean, the UFC has not come out and said this is a title winner, but the expectation is that the winner of this matchup will take on Yuri Prohochka for the vacant, now vacant, light heavyweight title here. Uh, at some point, I would i would think probably December is when they, they'll target for this matchup to take place here. So you got the former champion in the 205-pound division, Jan Blachowicz, taking on the former middleweight champion, Alex Baham, moving up, who just looks like a massive man, even yeah. at 205 pounds here. Of course, uh, this is a straight pick-em fight minus Mice 110 on both sides over on DraftKings, kings is eighty two hundred, 200 Pagella eight thousand, and they're both 15 on FanDuel. beat
1: yeah i love the fight and yeah, i'm actually surprised that you know the ufc didn't go ahead and just uh book this as the title fight uh get given the circumstances of the injuries surrounding jamal hill um and yuri Pahashka coming off of you know extensive time off um but it, you know, it's, it's all going to work out, and uh, we're going to get a, an amazing fight regardless. I think naturally I would love to see Alex Paheya against, uh, against Yuri Prahashka From a striking standpoint, that would just be ridiculous. Um, but in this matchup, you know, we do have two high-profile fighters. Um, the wealth of experience in MMA Definitely lies with Jan Blahovic. Uh, we have seen Jan Blahovic lace up his wrestling shoes and go to the takedown well. And the Israel Adesanya fight really sticks out to me because I didn't think the size advantage that Jan was going to have in that fight was going to be as significant as it was. Now Alex Pereira is a massive man, so the size advantage is nullified. If anything, Alex is the bigger guy. You know, but I, I do think the the wrestling skill. Of Jan Blahovich is there, and everything i's, I'm seeing training footage-wise, he's throwing great combinations to have his opponents respect his guard, and then he's shooting the takedown underneath. That's what he needs to do. Outside the Israel Adesanya fight, you'd have to go back to Jared Cannonier back in 2017 when we go and we see Jan pick up multiple takedowns. He landed four against against Jared Cannonier um, in a 15 minute fight. Prior to that, the only t- other time he landed more than one was against I- uh, Ihor uh, Pokryash. So, I mean, like, he knows how to land takedowns. It's just what happens if Alex keeps getting back to his feet. He has to avoid the dangerous left hook, whether it's to the body or the head. I think that Alex has the clear power to knock out Jan Blachowicz. Um, But I-, I can't really pick against Jan when I'm looking at everything up until this point. I mean, the only person to put him away was Tiago Santos as he was blitzing in, hit him with a counter shot. You know, Alex, if he wins, it's going to be, be you know, by finding the chin. I, I do think that throughout the contest, if Jan goes out there and doesn't wrestle, he's stupid. Because, yeah. you know, the the leg kicks that he that he landed against Magomed Ankolaev and everything up to that point, all his other performances, he needs to not become a striker in this matchup. Test the chin a little bit, get some respect, but but lace up those wrestling shoes. It's a clear gap in skill. Um, So it's a lean towards Jan Blahovic, but... You know, just like the main event, I'm going to have a ton of Alex lineups in case he does find the knockout. So uh, for me, I may be different than most people, but I'm picking Jan Blachowicz to to win a decision.
0: I'm going to go with Alex Bahay in this one. I, I just think that his – he. I expect him to get taken down let me just say that I expect he does get taken down over on prize picks it, the takedown prop Rian which is two it's not one of my favorite plays and, and at the end of the show I'll talk about my prize picks plays that I do like and over tomorrow and just to score I will put my prize picks uh, card plays in there and uh, I know that I love people like to chase those five line of cards over prize picks that's not my my style over on prize picks I like to kind of go with those three and of course if you're over to score last Saturday you, you would have saw what I, what I had over there, a nice little win I had in terms Monster. of that one, but uh, but look, I mean, you, you just know you have to you if you're Jan Blahovic, you can get into a kickboxing matchup, you know. And I, I think also a potential X factor is Glover Teixeira, the fact that he's been there with, with with Jan. So I think that that's another thing to kind of stay into. But but look, look, I and look, I have not started building Limes yet. I would not be surprised if, for say, you know one tournament i might do a crunch of give me at least two of these four guys in every lineup
1: oh yeah oh absolutely yeah i mean i'm it's going to be like a 55 45 lean for me um for for both of them main event and co-main event it's just next to impossible for me to get away from it um especially when you have you know little faith in a lot of the underdogs on the on the slate
0: And what does become interesting, and, you know, look, you're obviously on the FanDuel side of the equation. A lot of people in that MVP spot are going to be looking at that main event. Totally understandable. Five-round fight. You know, expect high volume. But if you're looking to get different from the field, I think this is a fight to target as the MVP. I mean, look, you're not going to feel good on either side because you're going to fe- you know, fear that Jan Blachowicz just gets takedowns and Alex Paya can't do anything or vice versa. Alex Paya just stops the takedown, lands that left hook, and it's night-night. But that, to me, could be a way if you want to attack the MVP spot over there on the FanDuel side of the equation. Next up is what we don't know if this fight's going to happen or not. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, I've been kind of monitoring Twitter. Nothing's really come out yet. We got uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson taking on Michelle Bahia. And this is a matchup that was announced. I think a lot of us were a Loving the fact of these two dynamic strikers. Of course, Paheya with Cachoeira uh, striking style, the karate style, uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, Stephen Thompson, a minus 140 betting favorite, plus 124, Michelle Paheya. Paheya, 7,400 on DK, $13 on FanDuel. Thompson, 8,800 on DK and $17 on FanDuel, Pete.
1: Yeah, you know, not my favorite DFS fight, if I'm being honest. Um, You know, I I have so much love for Stephen Thompson. You guys know uh, he's my boy. And I just, I think he's so dynamic and tricky for most people. Now I will tell you, and I will fill you in on, I had this massive parlay several years ago. I, I think I had like six, seven fighters or whatnot. And the final leg was Steven Thompson against uh, Anthony Pettis. And he was beating the shit out of Anthony Pettis. And I'm sitting here on the couch with my buddies and I'm just watching. And I'm like, man, this was before I had a mobile app of betting in my state. So I had the, the actual ticket. I probably would have cashed out. But I didn't, and I'm watching him dominate Anthony Pettis, and then all of a sudden, Superman punch lands from Anthony Pettis, throwing an absolute Hail Mary, and it knocks out Stephen Thompson, and I just couldn't believe it. Now, that tricky, unorthodox, explosive, striking style is very similar to Michelle Paheya, and he does a ton of reckless stuff from odd, tricky angles, and we we have seen Stephen Thompson get knocked down. Um, you know, he was hurt against Kevin Holland. We've seen him knock down both times against Tyron Woodley, um, Anthony Pettis. So, the, the chin as he ages, uh, you know, he's very, very elusive. He has great distance management. But as far as absorbing a strike, obviously, it's not where he used to be. So, I, I like Michelle Pajaya as an underdog to increase exposure. And then you bring in the X factor of, you know, takedowns en route to finding a submission. It could happen, but Gilbert Burns struggled and, you know, he took him down and he and he ragdolled him, but he was unable to to finish him. So I think the likelihood of Michelle Pahea actually pulling this out would be he'd have to knock out Steven Thompson and at elevation, a guy with poor cardio, you know that he's gonna probably come out there hot out the gate in round one. That's his best path. Um, but with all that being said, I just think Steven Thompson's too good at distance. I think he's going to uh you know, kick and move, kick and move, strike. Hopefully not get into any boxing exchanges. I like him when he's mixing it in, hands and legs. Not too many boxing because uh, I am fearful about that chin. But truthfully, I don't think this fight happens, Jason. I, I think that, uh, you know, Stephen Thompson's father is just going to pass on it. And I think they should. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why they, they should take it. Um, live to fight another day against a guy who's actually going to be a professional and make weight. So uh, it's a Stephen Thompson decision win for me. Uh, but uh, as as I said, I don't think the fight happens.
0: Look, I will say this: that there is a lot of belief in the MMA industry that the winner of this fight could potentially be the first fight for Michael Page in the UFC. Saying Michael Page signs with the UFC, I think it's, I think it's a high probability Michael Page really? will be in the UFC. I mean, look, the UFC is not necessarily in the business of signing thirty six year olds at one hundred seventy pounds, but. The fact that they featured him on the broadcast last week, I thought was a very interesting sign that, uh, you know, I, I think that the days of Mike Michael Page uh, being outside the UFC are coming to an end.
1: A little foreshadowing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah, he's a little tease. But, I mean, there, there's plenty of matchups striking-wise. I mean, I, I think that if they match him correctly, that he could become a star, even more so in the UFC. But you put him up against any wrestler, it's it's not a, not a good night.
0: Exactly. Now I would say this. If this fight does take place, I think you do have to get to Michelle Pahaya because of the takedown upside. We have seen him be able to score takedowns. To me, that would be also if this fight plays on the feet, I'm not quite sure it may be a high volume fight. That's why over on price picks, I like the underplay on on Wonderboy at 72 and a half significant strikes. I wouldn't be surprised if that number gets lower on Prize Picks. That may be something you have to play, but then of course you're playing that danger of that car getting that this fight potentially being canceled. Next up, we got a matchup between Bobby Green and Tony Ferguson. Bobby Green is a four to one betting favorite, plus three ten for Tony Ferguson. Bobby Green ninety five hundred on DK, twenty three dollars on FanDuel. Tony Ferguson sixty seven hundred on DK and eight dollars on FanDuel. Pete.
1: Yeah, I mean. I'll tell you what I just don't like the odds, you know. I I, Bobby Green fucks around a little too much for me, and uh, he he plays with his food. He he taunts. He gets hit. He's in close fights. um, He tries to test his chin at times. So he's an entertainer, right? He's not the. He's a very very skilled athlete, very skilled fighter. Great boxing. Good counter shots. Excellent counter fighter. uh, Can wrestle. Can grapple. has been knocked out recently. Um, Tony Ferguson has fallen from grace. Looked absolutely horrible. Uh, was doing well against Michael Chandler. Has power um, and up until that that crazy knockout. Uh, looked like a shell of himself against Nate Diaz. But he's still, he's a volume guy. He throws volume. He goes out there and he throws thudding, thudding leg kicks. If I'm a part of Tony Ferguson's camp, I'm saying let's leg kick the crap out of Bobby Green. And, uh, you know, he's such a... A boxing-oriented fighter, chew up the legs a little bit, um, and, and you know, start to incorporate your elbows. Obviously, but he has to be very careful about getting chin checked because, despite the the career lack of power for Bobby Green, he's more of a you know, take you the distance, land some really good shots, but doesn't put you away the best. He has found some some finishes against you know Ally Aquinta. Um, you know, we, we've we've seen Bobby Green. Go out there and, and put people away. That the Jared Gordon one was a little fluky because of the, the headbutt. Um, but he looks like he's on his way up and Tony Ferguson is clearly on his way down and out. Uh with all that being said, I just think the price is ridiculous. And I'm gonna be getting to both of them. And as far as a punt, who could lose, we have Tony Ferguson sitting there at sixty seven hundred. I think he loses a fifteen minute decision. But I think that he could actually give himself, you know, give a better account of himself than what most people are anticipating just because of Bobby Green's knack for finding, you know, close decisions, split decisions, unanimous decisions, um, messing around, taunting. What that could do is just open the door of opportunity of points for Tony Ferguson. Um, but yeah, it's a price point at 9500 Bobby Green. Does he score 120? I don't think so. So if you don't think he scores 120 and you find some other fighters out there that you like better. Uh, I'm all with it, but do you think he scores 100 in a win? I do. I, I think that he does score 100 in a win. So um, I think he's fine. If it's a if it's a low scoring slate, you might need him. Similar to like other crazy favorites we've we've been having, um, it's probably a safe bet that he wins. I just hate the number, and uh, I'll, I'll be getting to both of them. But I'll probably get to mm-hmm. other nine thousand options a little more.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, the one thing in, about Tony Ferguson, I talked about this earlier this week, is, you know, we we never know when a downside of a fighter's career is going to happen. And, you know, you look at that run he went on pre-2020. I mean, it was amazing. And I just don't know. I mean, you, you talk about a career-defining beatdown against Justin Gaethje. I just, you know, like when he says on Wednesday that he believes he's five fights away to getting a UFC title, I'm like, who is in Tony Ferguson's corner that's letting him believe this?
1: It's weird. So he he has his lifelong wrestling coach. I just feel like, like Tony Ferguson, if you put him a part of a legitimate, legitimate camp, I think that he could actually like find himself again, or he could have done more than he did. I mean, he was on a massive win streak for the longest time. It's just like, I don't know. It's kind of like, are you surrounded by yes men? Because if people aren't looking out for you and you're not changing shit in your camp and you're getting demolished and you're just – even as a grappler, like his jiu-jitsu, like it's just been nullified. Mm-hmm. And as all this talking about his wrestling and his wrestling coach, lifelong wrestling coach, his wrestling has looked poor. Like I would love to see him test Bobby Green's wrestling. I think Bobby Green will do better, you know, personally. Um, but yeah, I just feel for fighters, especially when I can see that mental health is struggling. Um, with all that being said. I wouldn't mind stacking this fight just to be super weird, like in just a handful. If you're doing 150, I'll probably just do a couple just because if it does go 15 minutes, we could see a ridiculous uh, amount of of strikes landed, like 200 significant strikes.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you go over to UFCstats.com, I mean, Tony Ferguson just has not been a takedown guy. He just hasn't. I mean, not he not hasn't been that guy. And um, I mean, look, when I saw the, the, the betting odds and then the DraftKings, I was like, oof, man. I'm picking Bobby to win the fight, I go, but to get to that price point, I'd much rather spend $100 less and get to a random Maverick who's going to have a grappling upside versus Bobby Green in a fight that probably is going to go 15 minutes, that's why I do like the more fight time on Bobby Green over on prize picks. But, uh, but yeah, I, I just don't know if a 9,500 Bobby Green can ultimately be optimal in this spot. Next up, of course, our opening fight of the pay per view. Got Kevin Holland taking on Michael Kiesa. Kevin Holland, a minus 150 betting favorite, plus 125 for Michael Kiesa. Holland, 8400 DK, $16 on FanDuel. Kiesa 7800 on DK and 14 on FanDuel Pete.
1: Yeah, so I view this fight similar to the uh Jan Blachowicz and Alex Pereira fight where it's just like Pereira could easily win and knock him out and you know, no problem at all. And if you went aggressive with Alex, then it could set your, set your lineups up for success. Up until he proves to me that he can defend takedowns at a regular, you know, at a regular pace. Um, I'm sure that, you know, Glover's gotten him prepared for a little bit. But, like, other talented fighters were prepared for Jan's takedowns, and Jan's able to get him. Um, Jan can also strike, too. So, like, I'm not completely crossing out the idea of Jan hurting uh, Alex on the feet. So very similar to that fight, we have, you know, Michael Chiesa, who has been relatively inactive, battled back injuries throughout his entire career, um, getting some work done at the UFC PI up against Kevin Holland, who's one of the most active fighters within the past several years. Very, very good striker, complete wrestling liability. Um, His wrestling just, I don't know what it is. He's a step behind. He, He knows what to do. It's just the timing of everything is off. Um, his reactions are off. I do think that he has a sneaky jujitsu, uh, path to victory here over Michael Kiesa, who at times when he doesn't find success with takedowns or striking, if he gets hurt, he starts shooting panic takedowns and then he, he ends up getting submitted. So, um, we, we do know that Kevin Holland has some sneaky jujitsu, we haven't really been able to see it because of his lack of wrestling. I actually think of like a a club and sub is possible for Kevin Holland. With all that being said, I'm torn on the fight as well. I know that there's an inactive Michael Chiesa looking to hop in there against a guy who's been pretty hot of late, and I'm still going to back Michael Chiesa. I'm going to let Kevin Holland prove it to me. I'm going to let Alex prove it to me about him defending takedowns, and I'm going to let Kevin Holland prove it to me. If he goes out there and defends Michael Chiesa and he damages him up and, and just beats him up, good for him. I'm still going to have exposure and, and my exposures set correctly, but uh I think like on a week where I hate the underdogs, I'm going to go with Michael Chiesa as my second underdog, uh, you know, in a boring takedown driven control time type of fight.
0: You know, Kiesa's never been a, a high fantasy score upside guy, but to me, it's just it's the stylistic aspect of this matchup Of the clear way for him to win this fight is by utilizing grappling. And we have seen Kevin Holland get taken down constantly. And that's why when you're talking about plays under $8,000, even on FanDuel at $14, I do like a Michael Kiesa play in large field tournaments just because of what he could do in terms of the grappling. Do have some concerns about the reach disadvantage for Michael Kiesa in terms. Of this one, uh, and by the way, I don't know if you saw this. Michael Chiesa uh revealed this week that he was one of the fighters who uh privately hit up Dana White to say, uh I'll step in and yeah. take on Bo Nickel.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's smart, and then you know, he, the, the issue is though, like you've seen his wrestling and, and his grappling is great until he goes up against a, a superior wrestler and grappler like yeah. Sean Brady, yes. like he had minimal success. He's not going to have any success against Bo Nickel when it comes to the wrestling. So um, it's an interesting matchup. It's a safer matchup than going up against a striker, you know, but like Bo's look great too. So, uh, you know, I'm also prioritizing this fight. Um, I I think the main, the co-main in this fight salary wise and just how I'm expecting the fights to go. I think they're three of the most prioritized fights for me.
0: Of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of Fight HQ as we're breaking down UFC 291. If you haven't you us right here on YouTube, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. Subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get those subscribers up a little bit more, of course. Or if you're listening to us over on the podcast channel, give us a rating and review. We would really much appreciate that, seeing those numbers there are on the podcasting side, doing really well over there. So we appreciate everyone that's checking out the show. Of course, we have our merchandise shop that's now open. Link is in the description below. Of course, also, you got our Discord channel. Totally free to join. Great community to talk about the fights and of course also we have our DraftKings contest going on over there for, two, uh, for UFC 291. Let's move over next up we got Gabriel Bomfine taking on Trevin Giles bombfeen is a minus 330 betting favorite plus 260 for Trevin Giles Bomfine 9200 on DK $22 on FanDuel where Giles is 7000 on DK and $9 on FanDuel beat.
1: Yeah I really like uh, Gabriel Bomfine here uh, and I can understand the underdog shot of Trevin Giles if you look back and you see who he's beating he's beating some top level guys Outside the UFC, some top-level guys um, in the UFC. It seems like he's kind of just like stalled out a little bit. Um, you know, he, he's still very good on the feet. He throws good boxing combinations. He can defend takedowns at a decent rate. He, he's, he's just a solid MMA fighter, but he really likes to throw good boxing combinations. Um, Gabriel Bonfim, relatively unproven. So uh, you know, fourteen and zero undefeated, but relatively unproven at the big stage. Did pick up a very nice win over Munio Luze. He has a great guillotine, great submissions all in general. Um, you know, you, you even saw that on the contender series where it's just like no matter what, he seems to be, you know, pretty knowledgeable in the grappling department, you know, whether it's he's targeting Von Flu or Guillotine, he he jumps the, you know, guillotine a lot, which at the high level is a little worrisome. We did see, you know, Jack Della Maddalena all of a sudden decide that he wants to pull guillotine 15 times. In a short notice uh, fight. I forget the guy's name, but the guy did fantastic. I actually thought he, he beat Jack Della Maddalena. But, um, you know, it's just like fight IQ sometimes. And if you're hitting that move in the gym, Dustin Poirier talked about it of how Mike Brown suggested, let's not jump guillotine again because you, you've you tried it against Habib, you've tried it against Dan Hooker, you've tried it several times and it just does not come. You know, no matter how much you do it in the gym and are successful in the gym, it's just a very risky, risky proposition, right? Um, on the feet though I do think that you know Bonfim has great boxing combinations I uh, would like to see him get extended over 15 minutes but I actually think that you know one way or another we've seen Trevin Giles get hurt or panic shoot a takedown in result of getting you know damaged on the feet and, and just winds up in a choke so I'm going to be picking uh, Gabriel Bonfim I kind of like him here but I understand the underdog shot of Trevin Giles to win a decision uh, but Bonfim on the feet his TKO prop sits at plus 225. His submission prop, which is everybody's go-to sits at plus 110. I think that he's going to, uh, you know, show off his striking and hurt Trevin Giles. It's just, does he finish him with it? Is it a club and sub? Does he hurt him and then hop on a submission? So I'll go with, uh, with bone to win by TKO KO sitting at plus 225.
0: I, I mean, I think if you maybe want to play a little safe Pete, maybe just look at the under one and a half.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could. Uh, it's 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 at, you know, minus one hundred forty, minus one hundred fifty, which isn't bad at all. It's just uh I like Bonefame just in general. Trevor Giles is a tough out. And that's just the way that Bonefame's been starting, it does look like that under will hit. Um but you never know when a guy steps up in competition against uh, you know, a proven vet.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I feel like if Bonfine's going to walk away with a victory, I do think that it's it's within seven and a half minutes. The longer the fight goes on, that's where I, I kind of do wonder, could we see just Trevin Giles squeak out, maybe wear down Bonfine, and maybe squeak out a unanimous a decision or split decision win, but I think it, you do go, the safe pick here is go Bonfine, but I think you have to understand that, you know, what happens if this fight, say, hits minute 11 what is, what does bonfine look like there next up we got a heavyweight matchup between marcus rogerio de lima and the black beast Derek lewis Derek lewis a plus 190 betting underdog minus 230 for rogerio de lima he's 8500 dk 19 on fanduel and the black beast is 7700 on dk and 11 on fanduel pete
1: another fighter in a prove me wrong type of situation and uh as long as you set your exposures correctly you should be fine um but like as far as picking i'm just i'm just not going to do it i'm going to i know the black beast talked about how he's in great shape um he looks leaner than ever he actually has abs and it's kind of crazy uh but you know this is something he should have been doing his entire career and injuries have plagued him or he always has excuses following defeats listen man every fighter out there is banged up bruised up it's just some are more vocal than others, and you could have something hampering you throughout camp or during a fight. But I guarantee you, if you really dug into your opponent and you actually like, you know, listen to about their story and behind the scenes, they're dealing with stuff too. So I don't know. I, I can't just throw out all the results in the fight tape that I'm seeing of, of the of Derek Lewis making mistakes, looking like he's kind of lost that fire. Um, and whereas Rogério Lima, I didn't think was good at all. He actually shows a skill set to beat Derrick Lewis, in my personal opinion. He needs to be very careful in any exchange. If he's just going to go out there and throw hooks and bomb hooks, it's a 50-50 coin flip fight. Who knows who's going to land? Um, I would probably edge Derrick Lewis in just a boxing match. We'll, we'll, we'll find the chin of De DeLima. But what I see from De Lima that I can see giving Derrick Lewis tremendous problems are the incorporation of leg kicks and heavy leg kicks. You know, all those guys down in American Top Team, they built this type of Tiago Alves style where they rip those leg kicks. And De DeLima for the heavyweight division, a, a division not really known for kicking that well, chops the legs like some of the best. So I, I think that we've seen Derek Lewis hurt to the body in the past. You've seen that fire taken out of him. I can see Derek Lewis just getting his leg butchered. Now, does that result in a finish? Does that result in him getting put in his back and result to a, a submission defeat? Or is it just a 15-minute gas fest? I'm not really sure. I think the a lot of people are going to say, oh, this fight's at elevation. Uh, they both have poor cardio. One has abs, one doesn't. Let's side with Derek Lewis and his entire resume. <laughs> I'm just saying, like maybe maybe you know, five times undefeated and maybe the best days of Derek Lewis are gone. Even though I don't think Roger Delima is the best, I'm going to be picking him here, and and Derek Lewis can prove me wrong. I'm still going to smash exposure to his side, but yeah, as far as picking, I'm going to pick uh, Delima to win by uh, TKO.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the one thing, and of course the the vi- the photo is all over uh, social media at this point. You know, Derek Lewis talked about it uh, on Wednesday that he was going to show up with abs, and I mean, look, Derek does look like in maybe one of the best shapes at least from a scale wise we'll see what it looks what it looks like right Uh, but it it, it's one of these things of and this is where utilizing tools that are out there with ownership projections and things along those lines of course if you want to take advantage of the deal stochastic has for our listeners you can take advantage of that there in the show notes but like when i just see really low ownership i'm Honestly, I'm kind of floored by this ownership on Derek Lewis. I thought it would be higher, but you bring up some great points about de DeLima. And, uh, you know, I it was one of those things that before I saw the ownership projections, my thought was kind of like, maybe there'd be a little leverage on de DeLima. Well, that's definitely not the case. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's probably a fight that, because um, this week, the putting the lineups together really has not been tough just because of the salary savings we're getting in there in the main event. And Co Real
1: quick, Jason, I just want to throw this out there from a, from the betters out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, if you do think that this is a complete gas fest and heavyweight gas fests do occur, whether it's a a staring contest or they're just tired. Yeah. Um, and it is at elevation. Two guys with terrible cardio. Just throwing it out there. Lewis to win by decision plus fourteen hundred. Rogério de Lima to win by decision plus six hundred. Those are juicy, juicy numbers. Mm, everything yeah. else is, everything else is like you know. Exactly what you think. Plus one ten, you know, minus one twenty. Those are just just in case they gas. I think it's worth a sprinkle,
0: or even maybe you want to hit like a black beast round three. TK. Right. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, something weird like that because everything early is going to be juiced like crazy, and, and you're going to have to avoid it.
0: Next up, we got a match between Roman Kopilov and Claudio Ribeiro. Uh, Kopilov is a two to one betting favorite, plus 170 for Ribeiro. Uh, Kopilov, $9,000 on DK, $18 on FanDuel. Uh, Ribeiro, $7,200 on DK, and $12 on FanDuel, Pete.
1: Yeah, I really like Kopilov here. Um, I'm not convinced that Claudio Ribeiro is is good. I'm just not. And I do think that Kopilov can beat him anywhere he wants. Um, obviously, in, a, in an exchange on the feet, Ribeiro has some massive, massive power. Uh, he had surprisingly a grappling path in his previous matchup. I just don't think that's going to happen against Roman Copylov. I think Kopelov, if he wants takedowns, he'll get them. If he wants to stand and strike and butcher you from the outside, he's, he will. And, uh, you know, picking up a win against Puna Hellas oriano I know that Puna's hype has kind of, you know, deflated a little bit, but Roman Kopelov sitting there at 9,000 I think is a very, very solid play. Um, outside of just landing a big shot, Claudio Ribeiro at 7,200, I'm relatively, you know, uninterested. Uh, I just, I think that there are some better underdogs with a higher, you know, higher ceiling. Kopulov has looked like the, the prospect we all thought that he was going to be coming into the UFC. Um, you know, losing to derive by just getting ragdolled, losing to be a submission in his debut to Carl Robeson, horrible on paper. But picking up back-to-back victories over to Kira and Puna Soriano. It looks like this kid's legit. I think he is. I'm not I'm not sold on Claudio Ribeiro. and I think that, you know, Copy love at 9000 is a solid solid pivot from some of these other expensive options. So, Copy Love to win by TKO KO sits at +120 and that's my pick.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I side with uh, uh in this one. Nothing on prize picks. I'm, I'm sitting there in terms of this one. Next up, we got Jake Matthews taking on Darius Flowers. Flowers is a plus 210 betting underdog, minus 260 for Jake Matthews. Matthews, $9,300 on DK, $21 on FanDuel. And for Flowers, $6,900 on DK and $10 on FanDuel, Pete.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jake. Uh, Jake Matthews is a very, very tough out. In a very difficult fighter to debut against, and I know that he he isn't like on some crazy streak. Um, stylistically, it's an okay fight for Flowers because of his crazy power on the feet and how Matthews has shown that he gets hurt and rocked. He was nearly finished against Matthew Samelsberger various times, um, you know. And up until that, like I thought, Andre Fiala was going to land some big shots and possibly knock him out, but his striking looked better and he was able to absorb a shot. And then one fight later against Matthew Semelsberger, he he's getting dropped left and right. So um, Semelsberger does that to everybody. So I can't really fault him. In this fight, though, I do think that Flowers has a clear grappling deficiency, um, and Matthews his chin is super not suspect, but it's uh, it's definitely deteriorating. So you know, I, I think that Flowers from a long shot standpoint is in a winnable fight. He just has to go out there and just hop on Jake Matthews and hopefully catch him cold. Um, Flowers, his TKO KO props, it's at plus 350. So clearly there needs to be some respect around Darius Flowers' knockout power. Um, But in the grappling department, we've seen if Jake Matthews gets on top of you, he's got excellent, excellent pressure, good submission skills, and that's something Flowers has struggled with. So... I still think that Matthews wins at 9,300, but sprinkle some to the underdog in case that he lands a shot. So Jake Matthews at 9,300. I think his best path to victory is finding the submission, and his submission win sits at plus 180.
0: You know, of course, Flowers coming in here on short notice, you know, getting into the UFC with this one. We'll see well how well he can do there in terms of that one. Next up, we got a matchup where one fighter did miss weight and that was Venetia Salvador missing weight coming in at 128 and a half pounds. The fight will go forward as a catchweight matchup. Salvador giving up 20% of his purse to CJ vagar who's a minus 150 betting favorite. Salvador is a plus 125. a 8700 DK, $16 on FanDuel. And for Salvador, he is 7500 on DK and $14 on FanDuel.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, heavyweight MMA, women's MMA, and flyweight are fighters that I always increase underdog exposure to. Vinicius Salvador kind of plays around a little too much for my liking. Uh, you know, too busy taunting, too busy, uh, you know, putting his hands down, getting hit with so many shots to prove that he's not bothered, and then, you know, landing a, a knockout shot against Shannon Ross on the contender series and then uh, most recently getting dog-walked in a way against uh, you know Victor Altamirano. So I, I do think that everything I've seen from C.J. Vergara proves that he has the skills to beat Vinicius Salvador. I respect his defense better than I respect Vinicius Salvador's. Um, Salvador has some sneaky pop for the division, but that pop comes at a cost because you know he's going to kind of lure his opponents in and and sometimes have to dig himself out of a hole. I don't necessarily know if he actually is successful with digging himself out of a hole. So, I think C.J. Vergara is a solid play. Uh, you know, in general, flyweights, mid-priced, upper-tier priced, unless they have you know high upside of finishing, in you know they, they, their scores are okay. It could be just a volume score where he could just land so much against Vinicius Salvador that maybe he he breaks the slate at eighty seven hundred. Um, but you know, I, I just think that C.J. Vergara. You know, he he picked up a a finish over Daniel Lacerda in round two. Crazy, crazy fight, turn of events, but most likely I think that Vergara is going to win a decision here. And Vergara to win a decision sits at plus two seventy-five. I think he's a solid play. He's a mid price solid play. He's gonna, in my opinion, it's a winnable matchup. Um, it's just a matter of how well does he score.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, we remember that last that Vigar had was just a fun uh, fight there. But, uh, you know, I was telling Pete right before the show uh, Salvador was a guy I was kind of looking to, uh, to um, mm-hmm. throughout this week. But the missing weight is that's a concern for me when we're talking about at 125 pounds. Next up, we got Matthew Schmelzberger taking on Euros Medic. Medic is a plus 175 betting favorite, my, our underdog. Minus 210 for Schmelzberger. Schmelzberger, $8,600 on DK, $19 on FanDuel. And for Medic, he is $7,600 on DK and $12 on FanDuel beat.
1: Yeah, I got to say, be careful with this fight because to me it makes no sense and why this fight should even be happening. And like, I think automatically we all just assume Semmelsberger is going to go out there and just destroy Uros Medich. Because you're having a guy step up on relative short notice, up a weight class to, to fight a guy in Semmelsberger who's had solid success in the UFC. I mean, he arguably beat Jeremiah Wells. I mean, he dropped him numerous times, um, and he knocked him down two times. Prior to that, he had three knockdowns against Jake Matthews. Every time that Semelsberger hits somebody, they get hurt, and they get hurt badly. Now, stylistically, we have a long southpaw in Uros Medic who will test the kickboxing skills of, of Semmelsberger? But if Semmelsberger gets into boxing range, a straight right hand down the middle could pose some big problems for Udo Smedic. With all that being said, though, if you go back and you look at, you know, Semelsberger's regional tape, he's outperformed my expectations in the UFC. I didn't think that he was going to be this good or this dangerous in the UFC. So he's developed, clearly. Early on, he was knocked out several times. On the regional scene by getting hit with a big shot as he's throwing a combination can't really fault him because he's dabbled in heavier weight classes William Knight. He actually fought and lost to William Knight, which is crazy. Um, And then he's, you know, he he was hit with a a combination and and dropped and knocked out pretty early in round one. Um, So like Uros Medic has a path to go out there and try to get away and and knock out Samuelsberger relatively quickly. But Who's the better MMA fighter in this situation? It's eighty-six hundred Matthew Samuelsberger all day long, but fluky things happen. If Uroš Medić goes out there is just super aggressive, he can win early. Um, but I am expecting Samelsberger to 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 win uh, by KO. sits at plus one twenty, um, and uh, it's a fight that I I'm okay with inc- increasing my ownership because of uh, Uroš Medić lost to uh Jalen Turner can't really fault him for that you know it was a massive combination against a massive man and uh now he's stepping up to welterweight I'll have some some shares of him but all in all this is a fight that I am going to be siding with Semelsberger
0: Yeah, I'm uh, siding with Schmelzberger as well. Now, our opening matchup, we got Miranda Maverick taking on Priscilla Cachoeira. Maverick is a minus 270 betting favorite, plus 220 for Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, Maverick, 9,400 on DK, $21 on Fanduel. Cachoeira is 6,800 on DK and $10 on Fanduel. Pete.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I like Miranda Maverick here, but I understand if you are concerned because Miranda Maverick, you know, we had some conversation in our Discord and somebody (laughs) was like, you know, she, she's not a good wrestler. Well, I mean, offensively, she is a good wrestler. Uh, defensively, when she's going up against somebody who's a talented wrestler, she's going to get out grappled. Then Jasmine Jasuda vicious is a very talented wrestler, Aaron Blanchfield, a very talented wrestler, uh, Macy Barber, not so much, but she is solid everywhere. Um, but like Miranda Maverick, offensively, she finds takedowns when she wants them and she can play all levels of MMA. So whenever a fighter can play all levels of MMA, Striking jiu-jitsu and wrestling you have my attention whereas Priscilla Cachoeira She's a one-trick pony, but that one trick pony is dangerous and if you don't respect her or you don't put her away She has that death touch about her where she just doesn't care She's gonna bite down on a mouthpiece throw crazy combinations and when she lands for the division She hurts and knocks out a ton of people. So she's on fire So if you want to take a shot an underdog shot, it's women's MMA Super volatile. She is on a heater. Back-to-back wins over Jeon Kim and Ariana Lipsky. But I will tell you, Miranda Maverick's going to lace up those wrestling shoes. She's going to get some respect on the feet. And I do think the submission skills of Miranda Maverick are going to be on display. She can win a decision, but what I'm what I'm anticipating is Miranda Maverick to win by submission, which sits at plus 180. Um, I just think she's going to get the back of Priscilla Cachoeira, and we're going to see whether she eye gouges her this time or not. I don't know, but I don't think she's going to get out. And I think Miranda Maverick's going to win by submission.
0: Look, we had some good dialogue this week over in Discord uh, about this one. I mean, look, and, um, you know, and we love having the different viewpoints on, on various things. I mean, look, if Ketchow is going to win this matchup, it's about her keeping on the feet. But let's not forget, we are in a sport where we tend to just think about the last time we saw a fighter. Oh, yeah. Prior to that fight, Miranda Maverick had nine takedowns.
1: Right. You know, that's the difference between this sport and other sports, right? Like in football, you know, you you get out there next Sunday, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. you know, like you have months, sometimes years between fights. So recency bias is hard to, to, you know, to take out of the equation and factoring in development and adjustments is one of the hardest things to do leading up to breaking down film. And you kind of have to just trust your intuition um, I do think that Miranda Maverick just gets back to her winning ways. Not too long ago, the UFC, all the broadcasters and everybody were talking about Miranda Maverick as mm-hmm. she was going to be that Aaron blan what Aaron Blanchfield is now. You know what I mean? Like that's, this is the future of the sport. I think she can recapture that form, but, um, you know, you're, you're going to hiccup. You're going to run into some little, uh, some little speed bumps along the way when you're facing some of the top athletes.
0: Of course, if you got any questions on these fights, you can leave those right now, whether it's right here on the YouTube chat, in our Discord chat. If you want to leave a super chat, your question will go to the top of the queue. we already got some Discord questions that have come in. We're going to get into that here in a moment, but let's uh, talk about our straight-up fight picks. So These are uh, non-betting, non-DFS, just straight-up fight picks. Main event, I'm telling you, it's just a pure gut feeling. I'm going to say Justin Gaethje pulls it off. Gut
1: feeling for me, Justin Gaethje. I want Poirier, though.
0: Uh, in the co-main event, I'm going to go with uh, Alex, Paheya moving up to uh, 205 pounds.
1: Okay. I'm going to go with Jan. Prove me wrong, Alex.
0: I don't feel good because of what happened today, but going in today, my pick is Michelle Paheya and I'm thinking, I'm looking at the grappling upside here. That's why, uh, I'm looking at him to get the victory here. If, if um, go- this fight happens.
1: Yeah, I don't think it is, but I'm going to go uh wonder boy.
0: Uh, I will go Bobby green. Yeah, Bobby Green. I will give me uh, give me another underdog, Michael Chiesa. That's underdog number three for me. Yeah, I'm going Chiesa. Uh, I'll go Gabriel Bomfim. Bomfim. Give me underdog number four, Derek Lewis. Oh, I'm going uh, Rogério de Lima. I'll go Roman Kapilov. Kapilov. Jake Matthews. Matthews. C.J. Vergara. Vergara. Matthew Schmelzberger. Schmelzberger for me, yep. And I will go Miranda Maverick.
1: Maverick for me as well. A little different in opinions, but that's how like, you know, take Jason's, you know, picks, take my picks. That's non DFS related. But if you do apply that to DFS, you know, and you set your exposures correctly, it could set you up pretty well.
0: Over on, on prize picks, I'll tell you, there are, there are five plays that, that stuck out to me the most. Three of them are fight time, one significant strike, one takedown prop. The takedown prop is Dustin Poirier more than half takedown. Just got to get one to, for that to go over, so I like that one there. Uh, I mentioned about the Stephen Thompson. I like the under 72 and a half significant strikes. And over on fight time, uh, these are all more plays. More 14 and three quarters on Poirier. More 13.5 on Green, more 10 on Kevin Holland. And if you've listened to this show, you know that um, I'm not big on playing five player cards over a price picks. I like to do two and three. Uh, to me, a three player card that I will have, I will go the under 72 half significant strikes on Steven Thompson, more 10 minutes of fight time on Kevin Holland, and more 13.5 on Bobby Green. Tomorrow, over to score, I will be putting my price picks plays in there. So you'll see exactly what I'm going to be playing over there on price picks tomorrow.
1: Jason is a price picks master. So please, please take what he's saying. He's very good in the price picks field. So uh, he's putting in fire in there and uh, you
0: know, just, every week in
1: week out. So
0: to hit, to hit five on the UFC is very tough. I'm just saying it's, very, it can be done. No question. It's just very tough. Yeah. And for me,
1: what I've been hitting is my, my round props, my specific round props. Last week I hit, Paul Craig round two uh, TKO KO uh, and uh, what was it 2,500 plus hundred plus three thousand something like that. A couple weeks prior, we got um what the hell was his name? We got me plus nine thousand in round three for a submission. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so I've been I've been enjoying doing that. That's fun, especially if you think you know the fight's going to go a certain way. You know, sprinkle sprinkle those specific round winning methods. And the odds are ludicrous.
0: Of course, tomorrow's a great night for combat sports. Not only do we have the UFC, you have the Bellator card, which will be live on Showtime. That starts at 11 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, you've got the uh, change in the main event this week. A.J. McKee had to pull out of this one. So Roberto D'Souza, the rising champ, steps in to replace him in the tournament to take on Patricio Pitbull. Uh Patricio Pitbull stepping up here on Fight Week to take on a kickboxer over there. Uh, I will say this. I think the Lorenz Larkin, um, seeing a plus 110 number against Andre Koreshkov, a rematch there uh, does stick out to me a little bit Um, and uh, interesting about Magomed Magomedov Magomedov, plus 170 against Danny Sabatello that's uh, another one that kind of sticks out to me of course also you got uh, Crawford and Spence on Saturday night so maybe you can find a you know, maybe you find a bar that's going to be showing all three of these. Uh, I know I saw one place here locally that's showing uh, two of them. Uh, not necessarily everyone's going to have showtime over there. Of course, as I said, if you got any uh, questions, be sure to line this in chat. We'll get to it right now. Start over and just score. Rank the 9K options in terms of takedown, upside, and leverage play. So our 9K options are Miranda Maverick, Jake Matthews, Roman Kopilov, Gabriel and and Bobby Green, and based on your analysis, Pete, I gotta imagine, um, in terms of you know, the one that you're looking at the most is Roman Kopulov.
1: Well, I like Roman Kopulov a lot. Um, but like if if we're talking takedown upside, like I mean I, I like Kopilov just because of the discount. I really like Bone theme. Um Bobby Green is just a price point for me. I like Miranda Maverick. Jake Matthews. I mean, I like them all. I mean, honestly, I okay. really do. But uh, the salary comes into sta- comes into you know play. If I had to say, like, who has the best takedown upside, I do think it's Miranda Maverick, yeah. followed by followed by Jake Matthews. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, so I mean, I yeah, it. yeah. In terms of of takedowns, they're to me they're one two in terms right. of this list. But you know, I mean, Gabriel Bonfi may go out there and get a win the first round. Um, you know, in terms of uh, of a leverage spot. In terms of these, uh, you're not really getting much leverage. I mean, in terms of what we're seeing right. in ownership projections right now, um, you know, I mean, like if I'm just ranking them in terms of of confidence level, in terms of being optimal, I'd probably put Bombine one, Maverick two, Kopilov three. uh, Matthew's four, Green five.
1: I mean, I'm still going to say Bobby Green one just because I do think that like, five Father the times I'm defeated. I, it's just a score thing, but like, who's the safest to get 100 points? I think it's Bobby Green. Who can get north of 100 points? I don't necessarily know if he is a yeah. part of that conversation. Yeah. Uh, I do think quick win bonus for Bonefame makes him probably the best out of that entire group. Uh, so he is my one. And then I'd probably go with off sneaky for me, but I like Miranda, Miranda Maverick as three
0: value plays under 8K on DraftKings. Uh, the three names that stick out to me, Derek Lewis, Michael Chiesa, Justin Gaethje. I'm
1: with you. I, I'd like the top underdogs this week, but um, it's Gaethje and then it's Chiesa for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think this is a very easy week to kind of put, uh, you know, hand together together. Uh, rank these on DraftKings, Wonderboy, Ketchawara, Lewis, Medic.
1: Lewis Medic, Quechuera, Wonderboy. I don't think Wonderboy is a great DFS play, but the, perhaps the poor weight cut mixed with elevation makes Pereira get TKO'd in the second or third round. But yeah. up until this point, I'm going to say that he's the worst out of those options.
0: Fight no one is talking about that could break the slate.
1: Fight nobody's talking about. Let's see. Vergara, Salvador. I think the way that could break the slate is just a ridiculous volume. I mean, like Salvador in his previous fight threw 130 significant strikes. Vergara in his previous fight, he, in the second round, he threw 144. Prior to that, in two decisions, 165 and 127. You know that Salvador plays on the feet a little too much, so that, that could be just a volume play.
0: Yeah, I mean when we, you know, when we're not having a 13-14 fight card, there's not that that fight to where you're seeing leverage in term, in terms of ownership. And if we lose a fight, I mean I, I just don't think you're gonna have a fight that really sticks out there. I mean, um, yeah, the one thing, and you know, we'll see where the, the ownership goes on the co event. I, I feel like that's ultimately going to be a little bit higher. We'll get into uh, some questions coming here from YouTube uh throughout the uh, morning here. Uh Alex says he goes, I'm having a hard time picking someone who's below Justin on DraftKings. Who do you guys think will have a better chance of winning? or at least have a better score even with a loss.
1: Um, what are you saying? He's having a hard time finding somebody under Justin he likes? Yeah, I mean... I, well, you better find somebody, bro, because, like, you, you, you have to.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, I, I just... I mean, just to kind of, you know, re, you know, talk about what we just mentioned before. I mean, I think that, you know, that underneath AK, Kiesa because of the grappling, Lewis because of the the knockout ability are, are the two that stick out to me, and... um Maybe uh Madich just because of maybe testing the chin of Schmelzberger. Um but those would be the three that would kind of stick out to me.
1: I'm with you. I, I am with you, yeah. But like DFS, unlike betting, it's just like, you know, risk it, man. Like just risk it. Take take the shot. Take the shot on flowers if you want, because like he has an early path. And we've seen Jake Matthews get hit and struggle on the feet a little bit, so I don't I don't think the likelihood is great, but it's probably Do you think the likelihood is better than his ownership? And if you do, increase your ownership to him.
0: we got a uh, best captain for DraftKings. Am I just not seeing the captain's contest on DraftKings?
1: I don't know. Let me see.
0: I'm on on the app, and uh, I'm not not seeing it.
1: Let's see. Guys, thank you so much for your support. Jason and I absolutely love it. I felt lost last week not being able to do the show, and I know Jason probably felt the same. It's nice to... You know, watch the fights. It was a good card. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing the captain thing, bro. I'm seeing the Rainmakers, so
0: Yeah, no, um, I know. I'm I'm logging into the the web version of DraftKings because I didn't see it on the app and uh No. Can yeah, you I'm, play I'm,
1: Rainmakers down in Florida or no? Yeah. Really? I can't. I want to get into it. I can't up here in Connecticut. I could do I could bet on pickleball, but I can't <laughs> I can't do I can't do freaking Rainmakers. Like, yeah, that makes sense.
0: I mean, I mean, I was, I would imagine. I mean, if there is a captain contest on DraftKings, um, I, I look, I think that people are going to try to get to the main event. Um, I would really look at that co-main event just because of how much it's going to save you salary-wise. Um, other, also, I, I Gabriel Bonfey, I think, would be another good uh, choice for the captain role.
1: Hmm. Yeah, my fear though with the co-main event, right, is like everybody's anticipating Alex to knock him out or Jan to wrestle him. Yeah. Um I I mean up until this point, Jan's only been knocked out by Tiago Santos. And like he's fought killers. Like Ankle Ive's a killer. Rackage is a killer, but he got hurt. Uh Glover's a killer. You know that that you know Alex isn't gonna sub him. I would lose my mind if he did. But uh I just I don't know. I, I think that the the concerns about Jan getting knocked out, I understand that nobody hits like Alex, but like Every, he hit Bruno Silva how many times, and Bruno Silva was still there. And then all of a sudden, Gerald Mearshart touches him, and he goes away. So it's look, weird. MMA doesn't make any sense.
0: Look, I'm just want to go on Instagram. I want to see Rogers Mixed Martial Arts Academy. Two dudes like wrestling in a river, and literally I, Alex is, oh. is putting Glover's head underneath the water for the tap. <laughs> hey man,
1: I like it. That's that true killer instinct right there. And
0: uh, <laughs> like, yeah, what is going it. on in Connecticut these days?
1: Yeah, he's gonna drown his buddy uh but yeah it's you know
0: I'm still saying you know, that it's, it's
1: crazy how the part of Connecticut they're in is like a mini Brazil it's it's really crazy and uh massive Brazilian Portuguese population and it's it's really cool like who the hell else lives in Connecticut nobody
0: look I'm just saying that the the viral picture out there of Glover holding the picture of beer I'm like I'm like, is Glover just drinking straight out of the pitcher? Is that what we're doing in Danbury? Hey, yeah. Oh, yeah. Connecticut's
1: a good time, bro. You know, it's kind of crazy because we uh, Strickland came up to Connecticut to get some cross training in with Alex. Yeah. Um, And I know that that Brennan went up there and, and trained with them all as well. So, you know, keep them coming. Keep them coming to
0: Connecticut. I love it. Yeah, you got, Brennan's got a big fight coming up here. Uh, yes. Spencer says, uh, favorite MVP and cheap plays on FanDuel. Looking at the cheap side on FanDuel, uh, I mean, Derek Lewis at $11. I mean, you know, look, he could easily go out there and be a dud for you, but $11, that one sticks out to me. Michael Kiesa at $14 is another one that, that sticks out to me as well as cheap plays over on FanDuel. Um, in, in terms of looking at MVP spot, um, you know, I mean, look, I think getting to the main event is, is a wise choice, but that's where a lot of people are going to get to, I like getting to the co-main event, uh, Gabriel Bombfiend, even though he's getting some ownership, I think he's another one. Copy Lob, I think would be another one to look in, in the MVP role.
1: Yeah, exactly. I just, instead of spending, spending down is, is fine. Uh, getting a cheap person is fine, but like, I'd much rather just get somebody I feel really, really confident in. In that high-scoring spot, you know, I know Bonfim is relatively unproven. I like him in this spot. Kopilov looks like he's on a different level than this guy. Ribeiro, I like him a lot in that spot. So, two of the two of the options that I would prioritize.
0: Appreciate the uh, super chat coming in there. Appreciate anytime we get a super chat in there. Uh, Ryan's guy goes for large field GPPs on DraftKings. If you faded one of the main events, which one and why? I would say main event
1: yeah exactly i and i I, that's that's my fear is that jan at times gets hit with combinations one round goes to Pereira, and then in other two ones like maybe it's damage versus control and like jan technically wins but he he scores less than 90 points Mm -hmm. and we have other fights that just boom you know and i would much rather get away from the co-main event than the main event main event getting away from is i think crazy Unless like somebody just gets dominated and then pulls out one hail mary and ends it, it's just tough. It's really impossible to get away from the main event, in my opinion. And uh, CA Premium, thank you so much for that super chat. We appreciate it, guys. All the support from likes to you know subscriptions to purchasing the uh, you know apparel, a part of our uh, merchandise. Like we really, really appreciate it, and can't wait to keep this going.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think in terms of, I mean, like, in these large field GPPs, getting away from the main event and co-main event is definitely going to allow you to get different from the field. But if we lose a fight, you're down to 11. Now you're getting a really tough situation there. Uh, Next up, uh, Brian says, is stacking Gaethje Poirier crazy? If it's a five-round decision, could both pay off their price point? Just curious.
1: Yeah, I, I have stacks in my hand builds. I don't know how many I have. Um, that is the cool feature of part of DraftKings now is that you can actually see your exposures. If you weren't using a crunching device, uh, I, at least for me, I don't know if I, my phone just never updated and it's been like that for for years for Jason, but it's, it's new for me for the past couple months. Um, but I will say that like getting away from the, the co-main event is better stacking the main event makes sense for me. Um, and just, uh, not getting too cute. Expecting some crazy things to happen and being okay with it, I would like to talk about the the structure of tournaments and how different that is now for DraftKings. I noticed that there was no Haymaker, somebody mentioned in chat and in, in our mm-hmm. Discord as well. And then there was no mini max of the, of the, uh, you know, uh, dollar $1. 150 yeah, max tournament. It's now $3. So it's now increased to $3. Kind of weird. So, um, they do have a, uh, $1, dollar, one fifty max, but it's, like, for Rainmakers packs or something like that. Hey, dude. Um, so I'm interested to see. Like, I, I'm going to try to put, put 150 lineups in that $3 contest. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's a weird week to do it, and I kind of feel like if I do so, it's going to be a chop.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, went, I was setting up the Fight HQ contest, which, by the way, you can enter that in right there uh, in the description below. That was the first thing I noticed was that these contests, that the Haymaker contest is gone. The Mini Max is now a $3 Mini Max. Uh, I want to say it's 10 k to first place, I want to say. Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: hell, I, sh- I want to win no, that. No, 5 five k I mean, well, That's still great. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, or no, hold on, hold on.
0: There's there's two different mini maxes up there. There's a, a uh, total prize of forty k. There's another one for 100 hundred k. The hundred k is the one that's ten thousand for first place. Oh,
1: is that three dollars?
0: Yeah, yeah, one fifty. Oh, yeah.
1: oh boy, I'm going to be yeah. in that one.
0: And then of course the, the big contest, the twenty five dollar one. Uh, first place is two hundred thousand.
1: Crazy. Yeah, and CA premium mentioning how you know certain fighters becoming commentators you know it seems like it's it's smart to get away from people who are kind of part-timing mma i don't necessarily know if that's the case though um it makes sense just given the inactivity of michael kiesa but i do think it can complement it it you are still obsessed and involved in mma just because you're a commentator doesn't negatively affect your fighting you need a break you you can't fight and train 24 hours a day and being in a sport and understanding it from a coaching strategic mm-hmm. and analyst standpoint, I do think is beneficial. So uh, I don't, I think that, you know, it's uh, apples and oranges.
0: Yeah. I mean, are you going to say that safe Saud's, you know, not as good as a coach because he's doing work for the UFC as an analyst role?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, mean, I think as an athlete, it's a different conversation, but I do think that I see what you're saying. It's a, I think a, it's, a I think
0: it's, be- I think it's beneficial. Just because of so. you're you're watching much more fighting than you probably would if you were just, you know, to do your typical training because the, you're watching the all is, these guys.
1: Correct. The thing is, is that most of the people that are becoming commentators are sort of on their way out of the yeah, sport. Correct. That's that's more of yeah. a factor than them commentating, in my opinion.
0: All right, we got a couple of FanDuel single entry questions here. Uh Kopilov and Alex or Kopilov and Holland. Uh I would go Kopilov and Alex. My yeah, I just
1: everything I see from Holland, he's just going to get taken down.
0: Yeah, I know that that's that's a scary thing for me. Um another single entry on FanDuel, SmellsBurger or Kopilov to be the better play.
1: It almost seems like a gift from the guy. Like I thought the, the odds on Semelsberger were so wrong, and then people hammered it, and it's just like, what's Vegas know? Vegas isn't – they're not dumb. You know what I mean? No, no, but I, I think it's the confidence in Semmelsberger's chin that just hasn't been exposed yet. But he has been up against crazy power punchers. So mm-hmm. it should be Semelsberger, but be careful.
0: No, I'm with you on that one. Of course, uh, if you ever have any uh, questions, comments, if you're watching this after the fact, you can leave a comment on YouTube. Be sure to join our Discord channel. Totally free to join. Great conversation we have in there. Of course, also, we have our merchandise store. You can check that link out in the description below. We've got a DraftKings contest going on over there. So, Pete, anything else you want to leave our, our viewers with before we get out of here?
1: Yeah, no, just uh, really appreciate it, guys. You subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button for you before you head out. We have one week remaining for this first attempt at our merchandise store so hop in there don't wait till last minute grab a shirt grab a hoodie before they're gone and uh yeah we really appreciate it
0: and of course that is going to wrap it up for the fight hq podcast for ufc 291 of course you can check out this show on youtube apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcast so we will talk to you next week as we'll get you ready for next week's fight night card